You've heard me talk about Morning Kick, used by former karate champion Chuck Norris. It's a daily drink from Roundhouse Provisions that combines ultra-potent greens like spirulina and kale with probiotics, prebiotics, collagen, and even ashwagandha. Just mix with water, stir, and enjoy. Unlike other green drinks out there, this one tastes similar to strawberry lemonade, and I enjoy it. I know I don't eat as many vegetables as I should, but Morning Kick has helped me make up for that, and I feel great. I have more energy and better digestion. It's an easy part of my morning routine. My wife started taking it as well. Go to roundhouseprovisions.com forward slash Harris for up to 44% off your regular priced order. Plus, every purchase is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to experience smoother digestion, a boost of energy, and just an overall healthier body, then go to roundhouseprovisions.com forward slash Harris today. Welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm here with Dr. Paul Gottfried, who is the editor-in-chief of Chronicles Magazine, which I encourage everyone to subscribe to, uh, former professor of humanities at Elizabethtown College in Pennsylvania, and you've written I don't know how many books, a, a lot. Fifteen. Is it fifteen? <laughs> Fifteen books. Yeah, and, and well worth the time to read those books. Mm -hmm. um, the latest one I know is on paleoconservatism, an anthology. Yeah. It's like 90 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that one is 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 vastly overpriced. But the uh, my book uh, on my books on fascism, anti-fascism, revisions and dissents—they're all published by Cornell, and they're much cheaper. Okay. So I, I recommend any of those books <laughs> if you can't afford ninety. <laughs> right, right. So um, I, I want to talk a little bit about liberalism, uh, wokeism, how you conceive of these things. You just wrote an article, and I think this is a good springboard mm -hmm. on how Marx wasn't woke, essentially. Mm -hmm. And this got a lot of attention, most notably uh, James Lindsay calling you an idiot and yes. saying you didn't know what liberalism was. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to just hear from you, because I read the article, I thought it was excellent. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, what were you trying to, what was the thesis that you were trying to communicate? Well, uh, one, of the, one of the things I have, uh, that obviously has uh, exasperated me in recent years uh, is that the conservative movement claims that they're fighting communism or socialism. That's the real enemy. Uh, at the same time, I see uh, the conservative movement, what there is on you know, TV, uh, media conservatism, making its peace with gay marriage, transgendered, providing they're Republican transgendered, um, and you know, talking to them about the dangers of socialism. Uh, and it, da it dawned on me that there, there are ulterior motives for this. Number one, uh, by talking about the enemy being socialism, you continue a form of rhetoric that was taken over during the Cold War against communism and the, the right is you know, fighting against socialism, which is a return to serfdom and so forth. So what you're doing is, is you're, you're telling people, you're reassuring them that you have the same enemies as before, um, depicting the Chinese as communists uh, uh, rather than as as radical, ruthless nationalists, you know, but stressing the communist uh, affiliation is also a way of keeping old associations alive. And finally, I think the conservative movement doesn't want to fight uh, the woke left. You know, it prefers uh, fighting an easier enemy, which is socialism. Uh, and they seem to ignore, however, there's a close alliance between corporate capitalism and wokeness. Um, now, you did have people who were Marxist, uh, claimed to be Marxist, who were rich and occasionally, you know, uh, 
expanded their wealth. I mean, someone like George Soros is obviously wealthy, uh, and he's clearly on the left. So that 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 is possible. But uh, what I argue is that wokeness has very little to do with Marxism. Um, it it does it does use a narrative or a. Uh, uh, a sort of structure its narrative around the struggle of uh, the, uh, the the suffering just against the, 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 the virtuous people who are going to win in the end. But then this is a biblical theme that, that has been recycled by any number of movements for the last few thousand years. So there's nothing peculiarly Marxist about this. It's rather that Marx used or recycled in his own way a biblical narrative that uh, whether it's the the Messianic Age in the Old Testament, um, the, the victory of, uh, of the righteous in the New Testament, who the followers of Christ, who will win in the end. Um, <clears throat> this, this is not um, anything peculiar to Marxism. And what I do is I try to define what is the nature of wokeness. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I say it is of the left because um, it is, uh, claims to be universalist. Uh, it uh, talks about uh, uh, helping the downtrodden, uh, which has become pretty, not, not entirely, but mostly a leftist theme, um, and talks about equality, compensatory justice. These are all leftist themes. But once you move beyond that, we're clearly not talking about Marxism. Marxism is about class struggle. Um, within a dialectic materialist historical framework. Wokeism has nothing to do with this. Uh, Marxists in practice have been very conservative. I mean, they've put homosexuals in concentration camps. Um, they favor traditional marital relations. Uh, all the things that wokeness rejects in the, in the end. Um, also, Marxists are not um, specifically anti-white. You know, you have Marxists to support, uh, even support nationalist movements. And Marxists today, uh, certainly the communist parties in Eastern Europe, take conservative positions. In Russia, the, uh, the communist party or, or its successor party voted against gay marriage and teaching gay, uh, gay doctrines in public schools. So, so clearly the Marxists and the woke, uh, the woke agendas are very different. Um, so that, that, that is one argument. The, the other, the other uh, point that I made in that article to which you yes. refer is that liberalism um, is not something which uh, uh, people are now defending against wokeness. Uh, rather, what you have uh, is some kind of decadent liberalism, liberalism in its last phase, represented by people who are on the cultural social left, like Barry Weiss or Douglas Murray, right. um, James Lindsay, who is a uh, uh, crusading atheist. Uh, they, they, these are hardly, are hardly traditional liberals, certainly in the sense in which I use the term uh, in my book After Liberalism, uh, which is people who favor what is a bourgeois idea of limited government, uh, 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 limited for restricted franchise and who accept traditional biblical views on family relations. This is what liberals were in the 19th century. Um, they also favored academic freedom, uh, but up, only up to a point. And the point was it had to be compatible with social decency. So Thomas Jefferson? Yes, would be a liberal, but then yeah. in Europe you have many liberals. 
uh, like François Guizot in France, uh, who is the Protestant premier or prime minister under, under Louis Philippe in the 1830s and 1840s, um, who wanted a restricted franchise because he thought that most people were incapable of uh, exercising sound political judgment, you know, and they were not part of what he called la classe ca uh, capacitaire, the, a class that is capable um, yeah. of exercising proper political judgment. Liberals did not favor feminism. They typically were against uh, allowing women to vote. So, I mean, th this to me is the liberal tradition. So, so not egalitarian, favoring a natural aristocracy of some kind. Mm -hmm, to, right. Yeah. A natural aristocracy and constitutional restraints on government. Yeah. You know, and accepting a distinction between civil society and government, which is totally broken down by now. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the failures of liberalism. I want to, but before I do, though, just to put to, put to rest the uh, assertion that you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to Marxism. Mm -hmm. I know you had reviewed my book for Chronicles, Christianity and Social Justice. Right. And in that book, I, I want to see if you agree with this. I tried to take a step back. I started at the French Revolution, mm -hmm. as you might mm -hmm. remember, and just talk about this egalitarian impulse to flatten everything, all the hierarchies, and that this Marxism is one iteration of this, right? but it's only one iteration. Mm -hmm. There are many. Is that how you conceive of, of Absolutely. this? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That there, that there is a left broadly understood. Uh, this, this is the right broadly understood, um, and the left believes in equality and a, a strong government to enforce equality, and they go beyond you know, giving everybody the, giving everybody the vote is instrumental. It's 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 an attempt to create a government and a and a social system in which there'll be redistribution of income, and it typically assumes a very powerful administrative state. Uh, they're also universalists. They do not like particularity, right? Like nations, uh, with a with although in France now you have people who call themselves you know left-wing nationalists, but if you look at them, they're they're basically nationalists. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're universalists, they're globalists, the left. I mean, e even the left that we have now, and you know, which hates white people, hates males, hates Christians, whatever, um, they still call themselves globalists because globalism is the essence um, of, of the left. It, it's, it's, or it's, or it's part of its essence, together with equality, and ultimately, I think, with this powerful government that engages in massive social engineering. So those are all features of the left. The right accepts hierarchy. Um, the right accepts nationalism or particularity. Right. Uh, it accepts gender distinctions, right? Um, and it is generally sympathetic to Christianity. So liberalism failed in your estimation, which has paved the way for wokeism. I, I should probably read, this is one of the closing lines in your article, you right. say this. At some point in the last 20 years, the very ideal of open discussion and debate fell into mm -hmm. disrepute, both in institutions of higher learning and in the media. What had become a shrunken, denatured liberalism was abandoned for a successor ideology, wokeism. That's right. So th this is the question I think a lot of people have, is if liberalism, as you described it, has failed, how do we fight back against this? What, what do you do if, if you're not going to use liberalism as the way to fight back against yeah, it? Yeah, what I'm saying is it, it's becoming more increasingly ineffective as a weapon. And, you know, I, I think we were discussing, you know, what do you do with universities, for instance? Well, you know, there are these organizations which are going to defend you against extreme wokeness. But if you look more closely, you find that they simply are made up of people who are on the left. Right. You know, and we're still essentially leftists, but things, you know, things have just gone too far.
Right. And what right. they do is they typically idolize the way the world was, the way universities were 20 or 30 years ago. Well, having attended universities back in the 1960s, um, having done my graduate work at Yale and so forth, let me assure you that they weren't that much better, you know, and there was, there was still hostility toward the right. That was very much evident. And what we had was simply a civil war on the left. And what is losing side now want to take back power from the, the more extreme left. So they're not going to really have open discussion. They're not going to run around hiring conservatives or even conservative libertarians. Um, conservative Christians are not going to be. What they want are more people. At the University of Austin, which Barry Weiss put together, there were just, just left liberals who had falling outs with people who were farther to the left. And that this is what I mean, that, that you cannot return to this because by, by the time you know people turned on Barry Weiss, it was pretty much over. And she and she and her friends do not represent, you know, a an ideal of a, a real ideal of open discussion that is open to the right, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, I remember a few yeah. years ago. This was in 2020 at CPAC. Uh, I, I'll probably never go to the conference again personally, right. but I, right. I I was still under the impression this is a very conservative conference. And uh, you know, I, I show up and there's a transgendered person, right. Miss Matt, Lady Maga, and they had, you know, <coughs> atheists for liberty mm -hmm. and. All, all these different rainbow flags at the Tea Party USA booth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There, were, there was hardly a Christian presence at all. <laughs> right. there, there was nothing about the founders. No, mm -hmm. And James Lindsay actually was there. And I remember talking to him and he said, one of the things he said was interesting. He said, I never thought I would be at CPAC. He says, because I'm not a conservative. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more kind of like a moderate leftist. He didn't say leftist, but liberal. Liberal. <laughs> liberal. Well, that, of course, that probably means moderate leftist. Today, you know, in, in yeah. his usage. So, so it's interesting, though, now he's categorized on the right, and he's very accepted at a place like mm -hmm. CPAC and the, the intelligent. Mm -hmm. so, so is this a, a crucial mistake that conservatives are making in alliancing themselves with this losing faction on the left? Mm -hmm. You think so? I, well, it's, it's losing for us because we don't agree with this, but if you're part of the conservative establishment, you want friends on the left. Because that's where the action, the money, that's where professional advantage is for you. So what you want to do is you always cultivate good friends on the left, and you push out or you black, you, you you engage in uh, gatekeeping when it comes to people on your right, because you don't need them really, right? What do you have to worry about the right? You just need you you just want friends who have influence and who are acceptable to the media. The German word Salonfähig comes here. They're sort of you know, people who be led into a, to a salon or a party. And uh, the people on the right don't belong there. So from their point of view, what they're doing makes perfectly good sense. It's professionally useful to do this. They don't want me. They want me, want, but not you. They want, right. uh, they, they want uh, uh, the people who write for the Atlantic. Right. Oh, the New York Times. They want to write for the New York Times. They'd love to. Yeah, we, we see this in Christianity with Russell Moore oh, and yeah. David French. Yes. And you know, I could go on. You picked the two best examples. Did I did? Yeah. Well, Tim Keller's another one. They yeah, they right. all write for outlets like the Washington Post, the New York right. Times, and then right. they just slam the very people they're supposed to represent. Right. Right. And and that's somehow being prophetic or being winsome or um, one of the things that I think the str huge strength that you have is explaining true, authentic conservatism. You call it paleoconservatism. For, for those who just listen to Fox News or the Daily Wire, mm -hmm. could you break that down for 
uh, specifically a Christian audience who is right. wanting, they're interested in protecting marriage and, and those kinds right. of things, but they've been listening to Sean Hannity and Ben Shapiro. How do you introduce <laughs> paleoconservatism? What is it? Well, no, I, uh, the word paleoconservatism is one that a term that I coined in writing the for the first edition of what became the conservative movement, and I don't know whether Tom Fleming or I, who's my co-author, came up with that term, um, but uh, I think what it, what it referred to were those people on the right who resisted neoconservative takeover in the 1980s, and you know I, the the term is fine, but I'm not wedded to that term, you know, and we have a younger generation. And they sometimes use this, like Pedro Gonzalez, my assistant editor, and uh, he says, well, we're, we're paleo. He, I say, you don't even have to use that term. <laughs> You're not required. It's my generation. <laughs> well, we need a it. term. We need something to describe. Right, what right. No, but you, you were on the traditional right, uh, you know, traditional religious right or something like that. Uh, and obviously, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be happy with gay marriage, allying yourself with transgendered, right, or critical race theory. Now, I'm sure David French has no problem with any of these things. No, he <laughs> says he's conservative too, which is the funny part. Right, right. Yeah. And you remember, National Review wanted to run him for president in 2016. He was their choice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and to see where he's gone since 2000. I mean, in 2015, I don't know if you remember, he wrote an article for National Review defending the Confederate flag displayed in South... I know that. Yeah, I can send it to you. It's <laughs> It's in National Review. It's yeah. a picture of the Confederate battle flag, and he, mm -hmm. he, he's defending it. And, and this is... I can't even believe David French wrote it, because today that would be considered so on the right that he would want to run from it. Well, they, they, they do move, move very fast to the left. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> sure it's at breakneck speed. Right. Um, but but the, the whole... Paleo, I mean, some younger conservatives, as you just mentioned, they don't use paleo, but they'll say something like, I'm a I'm based, or I'm a based conservative. That's, That's a new right. term. Or They just want to distinguish themselves from these compromisers. Um, what's the, the essence, though, of, of whatever that is, whether it's paleoconservatism or there's another term? Um, you, you described some of it, but there's a rootedness, it seems, to it that's much richer and deeper than the neoconservative. Right. No, no. It, it, it's 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 richer because these are the people who are defending an older conservatism, not necessarily the conservatism of Bill Buckley and National Review. Uh, you know, even in the 50s and 60s, some of them were defending the conservatism of the 1930s. You know. Uh, and you know, become part of this coalition, uh, but in any case, they rejected what the neoconservatives were doing, which was basically making an alliance uh, with the left, um, uh, excluding people who've been part of the conservative movement before, um, demeaning the Southern heritage. Um, you know, why would you do this? These people were were integral parts of the conservative movement. They always have been. Right. You know, why are you kicking them out? Um, and then, of course trying to build bridges to the left uh, and committing the United States to a global democratic foreign policy, which I thought was sheer insanity. That, that, that's why they went after me and destroyed me professionally, um, because I dared to uh, uh, challenge their, their, uh, uh, their globalist neo-Wilsonian foreign policy. It was, it was not another issue. It, was, it actually it started on that. L later on, what they do is they tar their opponents as anti-Semites or racist or some, the, the the war was pretty much over far. And and it's interesting that so you get sort of now you get neo-isolationism, people who want to restrain foreign policy, all these things are are acceptable 
in a, in a certain part of the right, even in the conservative movement, you can say these things. You couldn't say them back in the 1980s when the neocons were taking over. So and, do you have hope then? It sounds like yeah, you might yeah. have some hope for the movement. Or... You know, I, 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 I do have hope for the populist yeah. elements, of the younger, younger people who are populist. Um, I wish them well. And they, they tend to be more conservative on social, cultural issues, just about everything, uh, and all these other things. And basically, they see themselves in alliance with what I suppose is the predominantly white working class. They don't exclude other people, but it's not right. the white working class in America. And, uh, you know, it's traditional religious, cultural base. Um, so they are cultural, social conservatives uh, who also... Uh, on economic positions are not really allied to corporate capitalism or the Wall Street Journal view of what's good for America. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of the, one of the things, and, and I want to close with this, is because um, what you've said I think is so important for people to start exploring. Some of the, you've mm -hmm. written books on this, Chronicles talks about this. When I discovered some of this, it was like I was fulfilled in a way mm -hmm. that I right. hadn't been before. Right. And everything else seems so flat uh, on the political right. Um, but we have, we're, we're in a dire position right now trying to resist this woke incursion. Right. This, this is right. terrible. And the assumption that a lot of conservatives, people self-proclaimed conservatives seem to take is that, and, and evangelicals in particular, is that, you know, this is going to get so crazy, people are just going to abandon it as if the moderates in the center mm -hmm. are going to restore order and reject wokeism. And I don't see that happening anywhere. It, it always seems like it's like the rainbow. It's right around the bend. You know, the next mm -hmm. innovation of the left is the, is the last one they'll have because we'll realize, we'll be on to them. You've said something in a recent interview. Uh, you said that the, the change never comes from the center. And I, I just wanted you to expand on that a little. Where does the change come from for if you want to, you know, resist this? Well, I mean, the, the, cha the change uh, in this case is going to come from two, two uh, sources. One is going to be the right. And you need a right that hangs tough. That, that, you know, these are our principles. We do not accept gay marriage. This is an utter perversion of marriage. Um, this transgendered people are, are mentally ill. You know, they, the dysphoria is, is, is my, my son is a physician. Is it, you know, it's like telling somebody that uh, uh, it has, I've, I've, I've one extra arm, cut one of my arms off. Or these people uh, obviously need all kinds of spiritual, mental counseling, but to treat them you know, as uh, respected victims of society or people who have special, is insane. Um, uh, Anti-white racism has to be ended. And, you know, people have Confederate flags, there's proud, so fine. Um, you know, as I say, blacks may have a different historical narrative from, from whites. That doesn't mean we have to cancel the whites' narrative. Uh, there, you know, the... Um, uh, Southern whites have at least the same, they're more, they have the same, and they've been in this country, and they certainly have the same rights as black people do. They have the same right to their history, they have the same right to honor their ancestors. So, I mean, all, all of this has to be ended, I would argue, this, uh, this double standard uh, against white people, against white Christians, against Southerners, this all has to be ended. Um, and uh, uh, attempts to pull down monuments, this, all of, uh, all of this has to be treated um, as criminal activity by organized vandals.
And by the way, I consider this to be every bit as dangerous as what the Nazis did in Germany. I see very little difference. Uh, and they just get away with it again and again with riots, anything they wanted. This has to be ended. Um, and there is no reason to apologize for it. Uh, I also don't believe that uh, uh, that Americans have to weep over January 6th. I think this, this narrative has been blown up in order to justify giving more power to police state against the rest of us. Yeah. So, uh, but the other the other thing that uh, I think we can count at some point, the left is going to fall apart because of the incompatible elements that make that make up the the the, the left. I don't see Muslims. Muslim fundamentalists and homosexuals in any kind of long-term alliance, or black nationalists and feminists. None of this makes any sense to me. All that holds them together is hate. They hate normal white male Christians or something like that. And that's intersectionality right there. It's yeah. just a complicated a way complicated to complicated nonsense. Yeah. I mean, and it is going to fall apart. The right, though, has to hang tough. In the, in the meantime, don't make any concessions and make it very clear to the uh, to the American people. And this is going on in Europe, by the way, in Western Europe and Canada, as well as, as well as in the United States. Make it clear that this is our position, you know, and uh, we're not going to compromise. Yeah. Uh, and if they, you know, they, they're going to get a lot worse. We haven't even seen it. And they're going to rig elections and do everything else. Uh, you know, if they, if they can get away with this, but I think it has to. But I think at some, there'll be a breaking point. I also think a point will come when even these uh, soccer moms will become annoyed. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I I don't believe deeply in their morality or political capacities, but at some point, you know, their family lives are going to be. Well, moms for liberty is already doing right. some of that. Yeah. Yeah. W one of the things that I just thought of as you were describing that in the Christian world is Christian nationalism. Nature abhors a vacuum, and when we are leaderless. It seems to me that the Christian nationalism movement mm -hmm. is rising up to fill that vacuum and try to restore some of these things that have, uh, that you're talking about, like right. they're very aggressive stands on marriage. Stephen Wolf, you know, is, is one of the leaders in that. Um, and I don't, I, we don't have time to get your full take on Christian nationalism, but um, do you see hope in things like that, that, that these are yes. the things that are going to push back? Yeah, well, the... Uh I assume the Catholic and Protestant Christian nationalists are divided. Okay. <laughs> but but the the Protestant ones make more sense because America's founded as a Protestant country, right? Right. So I mean it has it sort of goes back to the origins of the country. Um, but I you know I I, I think that uh, there is a good chance for for this to to make headway, and I think there is a lot of room on the right on the real right, not not on you know. Uh, ben Shapiro and Sean Hannity, but on the real right, I think there is there's room for more movements, yeah. and I think they can cooperate. You know, the populists and the Christian nationalists can cooperate. Yeah. Um, but the most important thing is not to make concessions to the left, right? No, no more concessions, and you have to just hang tough. These are our positions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Dr. Gottfried, thank you so much okay. for your time. Yeah.